passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Timer. I'm better than you, and you know it. And I'm going to prove it to you. This is not the era of the ace. This is the switchblade era. My era, and that is my belt. We are back. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. And this is our special post-show following New Year Dash. Dash. Yeah. You and I would be a horrible tag team because we are not in sync. We are no Okada Tanahashi. I don't know if we got a thumbs up for that. Mm, no, no. Wait, we'll it's, seven, it's 7.20 a.m. Eastern time. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Admittedly, I'm a little bit more tired today than I was yesterday. I think uh, part of that perhaps could you know, maybe be due to just uh, the energy uh, perhaps of the show that we just watched. To me, it felt this one was obviously a bit more subdued than you know, a Tokyo Dome show, but nonetheless, I, uh, I, I, I kind of, again, don't really mind like watching shows this late, you know, at least, at least for one weekend out of the year. This was an easy one today. Yesterday, after we finished recording, it was around 10 AM. I slept for three hours and then was up the rest of the day. And then I hit a wall around 830 PM. I went to sleep around 930, woke up at 4 AM, was completely wide awake, and it was I was all set to go. Well, that's I feel good. great. Yeah, I how, feel wonderful, how, tremendous. Well, great, excellent. Let's let's get to this. All right, we have a few news items to go over before we get into the rundown of New Year Dash. New Japan put out a statement that Kota Bushi suffered a concussion during the match with Will Osprey that they described as. This was certainly lost in translation. I don't think they meant it uh, by stating it is not important. I think what they were trying to convey is it is not serious, but a concussion is always serious. We just don't know the degree of how bad a concussion is because you cannot put a timetable on when someone's going to recover from a concussion. And they're definitely running with this as part of the angle with Will Ospreay. But it seems like there's no reason to believe this is not true. And the fact that New Japan is trying to kind of downplay how significant it is I think it lends credence that there was a concussion during this match, which is not hard to believe when you watch some of the spots in that match. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, maybe maybe a question is whether or not that stretcher job was planned or if it was uh, just something that they were, you know, had to do in the moment or like, but either way, I think, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to sound insensitive when, you know, a man's health is on the line, but it, it, for in terms of storyline, you know, I think it it seemed rather seamless. I watched it and was believing it was all just an angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I didn't really think twice about it. I did go and rewatch uh, parts of the match, and 
it seemed that when he got busted open in the face, that came when he was in that that tree of woe and Will Ospreay started delivering those kicks to the face. That seems to be where that occurred. And, you know, a lot of people are focusing on the finish with that running elbow to the back of the head. And we don't know for sure what the spot was where this concussion would have occurred. It's certainly possible it could have been that one because you're not able to see when that strike is happening and brace yourself. It's kind of like the, not the exact comparison, but with a buckle bomb is that you're, you don't know when you're going to make impact. So it's very hard to take that bump. The same here when you have a guy coming in from behind that you can't see what's coming. But again, we don't know for sure where the spot was. So I would be very cautious if you want to be criticizing any particular parts of that match, not knowing for sure where the injury would have occurred. Can you lay any criticism on the participants? Other than, I mean, it was a very ambitious match. It was a very hard-hitting match. And yeah, anytime there is a, a concussion, it's certainly a chance to look at, well, what what could have been done differently here? Um, that said, um, those two were going in, we talked about it, with, I would say, among the most pressure of anybody on that show to deliver some... People wanted the greatest match of all time from these two. So I completely understand why they were going out there with... Uh, a lot of a, a, a lot of ambition on their side to try and pull off what people were going to see as a very memorable. Um, yeah, I certainly, I mean, this is this, the style that I think we've grown accustomed to as fans from, you know, New Japan and from the, these two. So I, I personally don't lay any blame on Will Ospreay. Um, I think it's, it's just part of the job. Uh, I think maybe it's it's a time to perhaps look at maybe our taste, but at the same time, like look at all the people that kind of look at all the matches that take place where people seem perfectly fine afterwards. So personally, I don't look too deep into that. Yeah, and and I th- I have a hard time kind of assessing when, when I don't know exactly where the concussion occurred. If it was the finish, that's certainly something you can look at. That here's a spot that. A guy cannot see the blow coming to brace himself for. And if you're the person delivering it, I mean, it, it has to be delivered in such a way that you're not risking a concussion. And that that was the whole thinking about eliminating the Randy Orton punt. It was how it looked and also such a small margin for error when, you know, there were times you watched Orton punting Vince McMahon and he just lays it in on the guy. Not like a full out soccer kick, but definite contact to the head. And they had to eliminate that. So, again, uh, when, you, when you don't know what the exact spot is, you can go down uh, a path of just trying to assess blame when it may be unfounded uh, until we know. But Kotobushi was not on the card. I think regardless, I mean, you do a stretcher job like that, he wasn't going to be on the show afterwards. And they're going to certainly be playing it up. Will Ospreay is already tweeting about it, and they're going to certainly use this as a catalyst for his, his heavyweight run. Mm-hmm. Monday's episode of Raw is going to feature the return of Hulk Hogan. He is going to be on the show in Orlando to remember the late Mean Gene Okerlund. They've also added a match with Elias and Baron Corbin. Lots of stuff uh, to look forward to on Raw Monday night. This a great show. Yes. um, They have... uh, Yeah, I, I don't know. There are people who are certainly upset that Hulk Hogan is being used on Raw. I don't... I think that many people are looking at this as, well, they finally have found a way to put Hulk Hogan on television, and it's 
to acknowledge someone that has just died and will negate any negative reaction. And I I don't believe the WWE has this craving to put Hulk Hogan on television because if they did, I think they would have just gone with it after Crown Jewel. And if they were so adamant about him being on TV, he would have been on by now. I think they're looking more so that they just want they just want to have uh, star power on Raw for viewership purposes. I don't think they're necessarily, whether it's Hulk Hogan, whether it's John Cena, whether it's Brock Lesnar, I think they just are trying to stack the deck to improve viewership. And Hulk Hogan is uh, someone they can put on television. And I would assume that it's going to be a heavy Gene Okerlund-based episode on Monday. Um, it, this is not going to be something where it's just a graphic and that's it. Um, I think it looks the, like, but I think the criticism is that they even look at Hulk Hogan as, you know, sure. sort, sort of currency uh, in, in the form of star power, uh, ignoring, I think, you know, the, uh, a lot of the criticism that uh, is placed on, on the man. So I'm, I think I'm, I'm a little bit conflicted as, as it, in regards to this. I know that the it man feels tacky. It feels well, tacky. But but I also know that he had probably had a real personal relationship with Mean Gene Oakland. And I think if you, you know, let, let's say, you know, this was a real tribute to this man. I think he has a place in it. I think, you know, if this was a funeral and he was called upon to speak, regardless of I think what he was, what, what the man committed, he has this personal relationship with the man who just passed. And I think he has a role here. Um, promoting it, uh, I, I, I never kind of just like, you know, completely excuse that the WWE isn't looking at this opportunity though, as a way to kind of, uh, take advantage of, you know, um, like you said, his star power on the show. Maybe that, that is kind of what I have some issue with. Like if it was just Hulk Hogan appearing unannounced in the form of a, a video, uh, or something like that on the show, talking about mean gene in a very kind of heartfelt way. I don't know if I would have had much criticism. If I do have any, it's that, it to me still seems like this is being used as a as a bit of a rating scrap. Yeah, I think it's certainly being uh, positioned that way. Um, Impact their final episode on Pop TV was Thursday night, and they did one hundred and fifty six thousand viewers, which was the highest number they've done since the time slot change to ten p.m. on Thursday nights. Next week they move to the Pursuit Channel, and Sunday night we're going to have a show up after the Impact pay per view uh, with myself and Nate Milton. And I'm just going to run this card by you, Way. See what your thoughts are on this lineup. It's headlined by Johnny Impact and Brian Cage for the Impact title. Tessa Blanchard versus Taya Valkyrie with Gail Kim as the special referee for the Knockouts Championship. Ultimate X match for the vacant X title with the Chris brothers, or sorry, just Jake Christ, Ethan Page, Rich Swan, and Trey Miguel. LAX, Santana and Ortiz defending the tag titles against Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix. Eli Drake against Abyss in a Monsters Ball match. Falls count anywhere between Moose and Eddie Edwards. Sammy Callahan versus Willie Mack. And just added Kira Hogan and Jordan Grace versus Allie and Sue Young. It looks really solid. I mean, I think uh, of that lineup, uh, it's LAX versus uh, Ray Phoenix and Pentagon that I'm probably most looking forward to. Um, you know, I can't say it's a, it's a card that I'm going to go out of my way to watch simply just because I'm... I'm a bit tapped out, I would say, uh, following, I think, these two excellent shows. And with Raw coming up in that stacked lineup that they just announced, I think I'm going to have to save myself up for it. But I will be listening to to your review with Nate uh, to see what, what I should cherry pick out of this card. The perfect answer. 
And also, um, just a correction on my part, when we were going through the the dates that New Japan had announced regarding the New Japan Cup, and I should have known this because I wrote about it when they first announced it. It is a full tour. It's a 12-date uh, tour for the New Japan Cup that starts March 8th, and they just promoted the last two nights, which are March 23rd, March 24th in Niigata. So, uh, oh yeah, and one other thing. Uh, this was not brought up on the broadcast, but Chris Jericho did an interview with Yahoo Japan and challenged Hiroshi Tanahashi for the IWGP heavyweight title. Well, that's interesting. Hmm. And say, stating that if you think my time with New Japan is done, you are mistaken. Something to that effect. But yeah, no mention of it on the show and no Chris Jericho on the show either. So nothing um, in that direction. So that's well, kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if there was a time to to have Jericho do something, it would be tonight. But at the same time, seeing where they're going with Tanahashi and Jay White, you can understand why they decided not to do it. I also have to wonder if how much of that is Jericho um, speaking on behalf of like any official deal, or if it's just Jericho kind of wanting to use the media to his advantage in negotiation. Uh, so I could be. I, I would tend to think that. Who knows? I'll say that. Exactly that's. Knows. That's a big match that you could do at Madison Square Garden. That would be, I think, my first choice, honestly. I would say, to me, I feel like Jericho being a part of that show, there's something so perfect about it, not just with him being, of course, uh, uh, you know, a big star uh, to North American audience, but because his father played in that building. I think I think it, it kind of, and that match in particular, to me, is, is very much maybe my top choice of, of Jericho opponents left in New Japan. All right, let's get into New Year Dash from Saturday at Corcuan Hall that they announced as Beyond Sold Out. Beyond Sold Out way, which I guess when you have this high demand, that can make sense out of the term Beyond Sold Out as opposed to regular Sold Out. Yeah, Beyond Sold Out. So what, people like in the lobby? People like... They they were they were over capacity. Did they fit more people? Maybe maybe, than pe- maybe there were maybe they oversold it. People had to share seats, individual seats, so it was beyond sold out. Oh, they had to like sit in each other's laps. That sounds cozy. The toughest ticket in wrestling to get appears to be this show, and then as uh, Tanahashi is coming out in the main event, I see a familiar mustache just standing there near the back. <laughs> there is Casey, the man that just is able to. I'll tell you, the hookup is Mark Ramondi. This guy is clearly, this guy can get any ticket. That's my conclusion. I have, I've reached watching the the shows that Mark Ramondi can get to. We need All the, the PWG him. shows he goes to. Got into this. Yeah, yeah. This guy's got got a setup. Yeah. If we go next year, I think it's contingent on Mark being able to get us tickets. Pretty much, yeah. Let's ask him for like flight info and everything like that. I think we're well connected now. I think I think we have enough that we 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 will somehow get into this and it hasn't been stated officially but most are anticipating that the setup next year will be part one part two of wrestle kingdom and still doing a new year dash but on january the 6th is that what you would expect them to do next year wow okay three nights this isn't official this mm-hmm. just seems to be what everyone is anticipating uh, will happen that you still do um, a new year dash but it wouldn't be new year dash at the tokyo dome um yeah, interesting. If so, I think, uh, I uh, you know... Because you can't do a show like this at the Tokyo Dome true. unannounced. Like, you need... Like, it needs to be a stadium-level show. You're pretty much taking just a longer Tokyo Dome card and splitting it into two, which you can do 
with this roster. Um, I guess I, though, I, though I think they they might need some outside help for next year. I mean, depending on who's available, who's still with this company. Um, that, yeah. it's it's a big big undertaking next year. I know, I know. That's why I'm I'm kind of very curious curious to see the experience take part. But I mean, three days in a row of like very much the same roster. I I wonder I wonder how 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 excited I would be for it by the end of it all. If anything, I think I'd I'd I would love the opportunity to see more other uh other per, uh, Japanese professional wrestling companies that seem to be piggybacking off of this crowd over the past several years. Do you see if this is a success for New Japan? Is this thump, something the the WWE at least gets the ball rolling in their head about can can we do this? Or would we want to do this? Maybe we're happy the way WrestleMania currently runs with the the current setup. Yeah, I mean, I I personally don't know a whole lot of of kind of uh, you know the 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 money and the technicalities that go into promoting a two day stadium event, but something tells me that you know I'm sure they're they're looking at it with a lot of interest and seeing if it's an option for themselves if they haven't already considered that. Uh, the hosts, the host city would love it. Yeah. Um, like, Two, and two night two nights of a stadium gate why would why would they say no to that right even even if you don't completely fill the stadium both nights you're going to have a very healthy like wrestlemania is a hot ticket it may not sell out every year but it did this year and they would have done very good this year going to metlife stadium two nights in a row mm, you think so Ed? yeah i mean I, th- I i think this year especially they would they would have done very well i would say for the tokyo dome you could argue this may have been the year with the with the Friday Saturday mm-hmm. um, dates that it fell on might have been a little bit better than Saturday Sunday, but it, maybe it's minor. Really, the difference between the two next year is you know it's a worthwhile experiment. I'm glad they're trying it and they're going to get an answer as to how big ticket demand is is for this. I I don't see this being a negative. It's just a question of how well it does overall. Do you think that they'll announce a card before tickets go on? I mean, probably not, right? Knowing knowing New Japan, they probably won't announce a card before tickets actually go on sale. So I guess my question is, you know, do you see people actually picking night one and night two? Or do you find most people who go to night one will go to part two as well? I would say a, a pretty big percentage, I would expect, are just going to go by two. And I'm sure the the company will very much gear their promotion around incentivizing you to... Uh, by night one and you get a slight discount on the second night that it's worth your while to go to both and i I could see a lot that are gonna just plan to do both and i think every person traveling for this show is absolutely going to do both nights yeah so the show began this uh, was this was a free show by the way on uh, new japan world so i i don't know if it's available for free in archive but at least live it was free so i'm sure it's it'll be easy to find we discussed Don Callis, and it turned out he was not going to be on New Year Dash because they do have not just the pay-per-view on Sunday, but they're taping television on Monday. So he probably had to immediately leave and, and head back to the U.S. And yeah, I, I always wonder with Don Callis about what is this feasible to continue doing both, that it seems that it's very difficult to manage the schedule that he has. It must be. And, you know, I, I, I wonder on New Japan's part, um, how much of a difference maker they see Don Callis as to kind of like, you know, juggle like this. But, um, yeah, I'm, you know, it's, it's cool. Yeah. Again, like a lot of Don Callis, uh, this week for us, 
between these shows and, of course, uh, our review of ECW Massacre on 34th Street coming out tomorrow. It's it's Don Callis week. Uh, Yeah, exactly. So in his place uh, was no one. We started with just Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton, Mm -hmm. our two-man team, which would uh, grow into three later in the night. And we have the announcement of the card with the main event consisting of Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, and the returning Yoshihashi, who will be taking on Jay White, Bad Luck Fale, and Ghetto. And the announcement got a very big reaction, not just for Tanahashi and Okada teaming, but the return of Yoshihashi. Oh, come on. How appropriate for a main event. Show started off with Killer Elite Squad and Takeshi Azuka taking on Rapongi 3K and Rocky Romero. They brawled around the ring. Archer caught Romero off a dive, choke slammed him onto the apron, and then they took turns working over Yo, including a power slam by Davy Boy Smith Jr. off the second turnbuckle. And Sho tried to make the save. Smith hit this beautiful looking uh, Northern Light suplex to both Sho and Yo. And Azuka had the muzzle taken off. He comes into the ring, he's biting everybody, but then Yo caught him with a roll up for the surprise pinfall at 8 minutes and 54 seconds. Uh, afterwards, um, Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer just kind of ran wild. One of the young lions got power slammed on the floor by Davy Boy Smith Jr. Um, they did get a focus after the match, but I really thought that Killer Elite Squad was going to come out of this week. Um, I was expecting them to win the gauntlet and be featured pretty prominently on this show. And I kind of didn't, you know, leave this show thinking there was a whole lot of attention on these two. But what did you think of the opener, way? I'm always a, a, a little bit kind of... Um... I find the relationship between, you know, KES and, and New Japan to be a little bit ambiguous in that they, they don't always appear, uh, they're, they're working, uh, like, they're not really always featured, but then they'll have, like, little little spurts where they feel like, you know, a really dominant tag team. But to me, coming out of this, it just seems to me like, we have them for the weekend, let's just use them, and then afterwards, maybe we'll forget about them until the World Tag League again. But, I you know, as an opener, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was Rocky taking most of this match. And, you know, at the same time, giving 3K a bit of a rest while rehabbing them a little bit here with the finish. Uh, to me, I thought Davey Boy Smith Jr. stood out the most here. He played a great base for the two smaller men in 3K and the three smaller men in 3K. And uh, I thought his powerful offense looked really good against them. Yeah, I thought Davey Boy Smith Jr. was to stand out in the match. I think he's he's another guy that's very underutilized. It's a numbers game in New Japan, and he is typically... Uh, an odd man out and I think in a, a different company he would thrive if he was in all Japan's heavyweight division uh, I think that he would be he would be a top main event heel or even a babyface at, at another point um he's in MLW you know, now he's signed yeah he's he's signed with MLW so he'll be splitting his time uh with with both New Japan and MLW for the foreseeable future Yujiro and Jace Owens versus Tomoaki Honma and Toa Hanare Toa Hanare couldn't get any sleep because he wasn't booked at Wrestle Kingdom. Poor guy. Yeah. We we had a lot of uh, stories involving, uh, apparently Minoru Suzuki called it the biggest embarrassment of his career, being on the pre-show. I could certainly see some of that. Yeah. Uh, this match saw um, Yujiro and Chase Owens get the advantage on Hanare. They worked over his leg. Owens at one point did the Kokeshi as he stared at Honma on the apron, but it was more a comedy spot because he hurt his head delivering it to Hanare. Honma got in. He did his own Kokeshi onto Yujiro, 
And then Owens did this great transition into an ankle lock, mm-hmm. and then Hanma broke it up. I thought Chase Owens looked really good in this match. He's typically always on point and doesn't get a whole lot of shine, but is someone that is always in the right position and uh, a very good hand, as they would say. I think Chase Owens is awesome, um, but he, he'll always be like, I never, ever, ever, ever see Chase Owens as a main eventer, unfortunately. Maybe a lot of it just kind of comes down to to the like the very average look that he has. Like he looks like like <laughs> random neighbor uh, in my apartment, you know. Uh, so unless they go the random neighbor in my apartment being uh, IWGP champion at some point, I I just don't really see it. But I I think as a wrestler, I really do enjoy watching him. Did you ever watch Home Improvement? Of course. Do you remember when the oldest son, Brad, yeah. got that that haircut? Uh like was it where like he got hat, like, it was like the, the, the sides heart? were shaved and the top was like tied back and his par- <laughs> parents had this reaction. So whenever I see Chase Owens and his hair, I think of Brad from Home Improvement and I don't know if that's holding him back or not, but that's the visual I get in my hair, my head of his hair, and I just think that this guy is straight out of 1995. Okay. My other Chase Owens story was a, a couple of months ago, maybe two months ago, I was at the Eaton Center in Toronto, and like I understand how much like Hot Topic is uh, very much into the the pro wrestling, specifically Bullet Club elite industry, but it was really jarring for me to be walking in the Eaton Center, and in the display window was a Chase Owens t-shirt. <laughs> and it was just like such a is weird part of my everyday <laughs> life that I did not expect to encounter a Chase Owens reference. And there in the display window, dude, on a mannequin next, is, a, is a Chase Owens t-shirt. Next time, I, I really would appreciate it if you could walk in and ask the people back there uh, how many of these Chase Owens shirts they've sold. At this point, I mean, I, I I don't see them selling too many of those in in general. But um, I I think uh, I I've, I like that shirt. I like the Chase Owens Crown Jewel shirt. I think the WWE though has permanently stained his nickname. It's kind of true. Yeah. Owens hit Hanare with the package pile driver, pile driver and won nine minutes uh, twenty four seconds. Um, yeah. Not a whole lot to this one, and I thought Chase Owens was the the standout in the match for me. Yeah, at the beginning of the match, um, you know, Chase often, like, when he walked by the commentary desk, and we'll, we'll talk to Kevin Kelly, and he talked about how uh, Hangman Page is no longer associated with those two, as we'll see, uh, of course, further in, in this episode. But also notable in this match, they, you know, for, for this entire duration of this elite Bullet Club thing, these guys never changed their Bullet Club gear. And I felt like... I worried for them the most because I know they're they're signed to New Japan. They're not going to be a part of AEW or anything. So I worry that like without the Bullet Club, like that losing that merch money, I think is going to hurt these guys the most. And they're, not only that, they're going to have to buy new gear. So I was really worried about these guys at the, at this point of the show. Yeah, and I bet you if you were to survey everybody entering this arena tonight and ask them what faction are Chase Owens and Yujiro part of. I think 100% of them would have said the Bullet Club. So quite the dramatic reunion that we got later in the show that I don't even know if everyone realized was a reunion. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Juice Robinson, David Finley took on Beretta and Chucky e. T, the best friends. And this was when Rocky Romero joined commentary. This was a, a late Christmas present for you, Way. You got your favorite three-man group. I really do like them. You know, I think Callis does, did a great job yesterday. But to me, there's something, there's like a real, uh, like, uh, I, I think Callis, like, to me, is a lot more of an, an American-style broadcaster. Whereas, you know, I think Rocky, Kelly, and Chris, they bring up much more of a historical perspective, much more of a kind of a contemporary backstage, you know, gossipy type of perspective into the New Japan product. So I was happy to hear this. Yeah, Rocky gave us the backstage gossip that they were playing Mario World the night before. I love tidbits like that. Yeah. Uh, Chucky and Beretta, they're trying to play up that all their problems are behind them. Beretta's mother was showing on camera. Yeah, Sue. Made the, made the trip. Sue yes. Beretta. Sue Beretta. <laughs> I don't know if that's her last name. No, it's a uh, Mara Giola. Wouldn't it be Sue with a question mark? Sure, yes. Uh, Finley was draped on the guardrail and Beretta came off with a foot stomp. Um, Robinson was in with Beretta, was landing his jabs, but then couldn't connect with the left hand, avoided the dude buster, then hit him with the left hand of God. But then Pulp Friction was blocked. Finley's tagged in, fired up on Beretta and Chucky just ran in with a chair and started attacking Finley and they were disqualified yet again. And Juice and Finley get the DQ victory, nine minutes, four seconds and Seem to be continuing the problems with Beretta and Chucky, while also kind of teasing uh, Chucky going after Juice Robinson's title at some point. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, I kind of hard for me to picture them like pushing Chuck Taylor as as a single star all of a sudden. But I just kind of took this more as like you know, yeah, like continuation of their World Tag League storyline, which uh, took a bit a bit of a hiatus it seems over the past several weeks. So. The match itself, I thought was all right. I thought Trent showed a ton of great personality here. I love the stuff with going up to hug his mom in the stands. Um, yep. I felt the non-finish here kind of took down the energy of the show for me. But, you know, then again, this is a show where you're here to set up storylines. And I could see them continuing this in some form. But ultimately, whatever they got going on between the best friends, to me, much like I think, you know, the way I see KES are just like their undercard feuds that... I'll only hear about him frequently, and ultimately, I don't know how big of a, an attraction they end up being. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed Juice and Beretta a lot in this when they were in uh, towards the end, and I know that uh, David Finley is going over to do uh, a Ring of Honor date in the near future. That would be a great person to be if this relationship, uh, if you're exchanging talent. I would love to see David Finley just get away from New Japan and get a sustained push somewhere else. Ring of Honor would be a perfect outlet. They need new talent. Uh, Finley's in the same role to me as a Davy Boy Smith Jr. It's just there. there's so many guys ahead of them that you you kind of sleep on guys like this that are very talented. I'm very high on David Finley. I just don't think he's going to get an opportunity here uh, given the depth situation. I agree, yeah. Especially when guys like Chris Jericho are stealing his jacket. Brutal. Will Ospreay, Hiroki Goto, and Tomohiro Ishii versus Kushida, Yuji Nagata, and Jeff Cobb. This match was awesome. They must have... Gato must have pulled out his Patreon account and listened to our review of <laughs> uh, Wrestle Kingdom 13 last night. Because, they, I mean, you, your criticisms about, about their misuse of Yuji Nagata were directly answered in this match. Yeah, Gato took out his, uh, his notebook, scratched out the next two years... <laughs> He just said, refer to John Pollock. 
and waiting. Uh, I love this six-man tag. It was just so much fun. They set up a lot of stuff. Nagata was uh, prominently featured, which certainly swayed my 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 influence. Uh, they had the advantage on Kushida for the first part, and then they tag in Nagata. And it's like, man, like everybody loves Yuji Nagata. It's like everyone enjoys him. Everyone wants to see him in something sustainable and something he can sink his teeth into. And you got it in this match and a tease for more in the future. Him and Ishii just get into this great striking exchange. He's kicking away at Ishii, got on top with forearms, went for the Fujiwara armbar, and then Osprey cuts the submission off. And Osprey played a very good heel in this match. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't so sure that it was necessarily a heel thing, but more so like him kind of playing up this more aggressive edge. Rocky, even on commentary, talked about how Members of Chaos themselves were feeling that elbow from Osprey last night was going a little bit too far. Actually, he talked about how Osprey pulled it out in an ROH show at some point, and how they they mentioned at that time they thought it was going too far. And I love that angle. To me, it's like it's almost like the idea that Will Osprey has suddenly learned to embrace like the forbidden dark arts, and I think it's a great way to distinguish his junior heavyweight self from his heavyweight self. Where you know he's he like on Twitter he mentioned he's a lot less. Uh, maybe um, aerial based and a lot more kind of, you know, into the stiff striking like this. Which is one of the hardest transitions to make from a high flyer that, you know, initially got over from a certain style to altering that style and turning heel where you have to make big adjustments. And I've seen so many guys that were great high flying baby faces that when they turn, they're either lost because they've got to adjust and it's it's very difficult or they continue with the same style and there's that disconnect because it's such a crowd-pleasing style. And Will Ospreay has been tremendous the, the entire 2018. He had a great year and I'm expecting him to have the best year of his career in 2019. Uh, Cobb and Goto were tagged in. Uh, Cobb avoided the GTR, took him down with a pair of clotheslines. Kushida's in for a big spot where the audience was going nuts here as he was in with with Osprey, and then Cobb shoved Kushida out of the way to uh, as the os cutter was being attempted by Osprey. So Cobb catches Osprey and just throws him. Osprey then took a DDT, countered the Back to the Future from Kushida with a stunner, allowing uh, Ishii to hit Kushida with a sliding D. This you had to see this to see how seamless it was pulled off. And with everyone on the floor, Osprey was left with Kushida, head kick, Stormbreaker, and pin Kushida at 14 minutes and 8 seconds. This was hands down the match of the show. I yeah. love this. I love this match too. This was a multi-man match that was better than any of the multi-man matches from last night. It's better than the heavyweight tag, better than the junior heavyweight tag, better than the Never Gauntlet match. It was fantastic. Uh, I loved all the pairings that they had here. It looks like they're actually teasing some substantial program here between uh, Yuji Nagata and Tomohiro Ishii. So, you know, beyond that, I thought Cobb Goto with their great power base style, uh, they had some great interactions. Kushida Osprey, as always, uh, breathtaking with their sequences. So a really great match that I think is, is to me, uh, the first thing people should go back to watch if they don't watch anything else on this show. Yeah. Um, certainly Nagata Ishii is where they're headed and it's like Cobb and Goto were getting into each other's face afterwards and Kushida is really selling the effects of the Stormbreaker. He's out, they're icing him and then as he got up, 
Osprey went over to him. They bumped fists, and Osprey kind of nodded his head at him. And if you're of the belief that Kushida is leaving, this the way this played out would not be um, changing your mind on that conclusion. Like this, this did feel like a bit of a wrap up on Kushida, and we don't know where he's going, but. This did not seem to me as though they were setting anything up for Kushida. It felt more so like this was kind of wrapping things up for him. That's how it came off to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you if you told me that this was his last match, I wouldn't be all that surprised. Then we had the never six man tag title match with the Gorillas of Destiny and Taiji Ishimori defending the titles against Togi Makabe, Toru Yano, and Ryusuke Taguchi. And I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it at Wrestle Kingdom. But getting an extended play of their theme music here, I, I like the theme. I think it's a big upgrade. Oh, I think it's a downgrade, personally. From their old one? Yeah, I like the old oh, one. I like this one. It's very... Um, Maybe it'll grow on me. What do you think of the outfits? Uh, the outfits are going to... I don't know if those are going to grow on me. Unless WH has a radical opinion on them. I think that's... WH has really carved out this niche for himself. Yeah, certainly. You I, I see new gear. I instantly think of what what his opinion is. Well, he was certainly the expert in the up next best and worst of. Oh my god! Did you did you hear his review of Zach Gibson? Yes. Dude, I was howling. I was howling out loud. It's oh, the god. best. I look for the. I look forward to the WH uh, Spring 2019 lookbook at some point for all oh, wrestlers. It's, it's like he just he has these rundown. It's like he's doing this right off the top of his head, and it's man the zingers he gets in there and. It's great. If you have not heard, uh, Davey and Brayden did a really fantastic yeah. job with their best and worst of show. Lots of special guests joining them, including the aforementioned WH Park for the worst gear of 2018, which I guess I've given away who the recipient was, but lots of other awards handed out on that show. So this match saw, first of all, Rocky Romero's theory is that the only reason Tamatonga is being so nice to everyone is He's trying to sell tickets to the Bullet Club's block party, WrestleMania weekend. And I guess I, baby I, faces outsell heels for I did, public I did, events. I didn't know what that what, what was happening there. Yeah, this is an event they're promoting for WrestleMania weekend, oh, a block what, party. What does that mean? What is that? Just... Um, it means uh, they're going to rent out a hotel room and everyone brings uh, cinder blocks. And they sit around and share stories. Uh, okay, I'm just reading this right now from a pro wrestling sheet. Uh, the event is taking place minutes away from Outlet Stadium at Red's Beer Garden, a traditional indoor-outdoor German beer garden with flat-screen TVs and communal tables. According to the event organizers, all members of Bullet Club will be in attendance. Uh, blah, blah, blah. General admission tickets include all-you-can-eat and drink and the chance to participate in block party activities and games with Bullet Club. VIP tickets, however, include a group photo with all the BC a 45-second video promo with Tama, an exclusive shirt. Everyone gets that? Everyone gets a 45-second video? I, I guess so. Uh, two autographs per member, plus one surprise gift. And the event will be catered by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Wow. Wait a minute. Does Live that mean D- you... All Bullet Club members, does that, does that mean Yujiro will be there? That's what it means. Yeah. He's the draw. Uh, to me, yeah, we'll go, you can you can write on whatever you want. Okay, then, whatever whatever it costs, I would pay for Yujiro to cut a forty five second video with Way and just cut a promo on you. That would be the best. Well, I don't know if he's a part of the deal. Unfortunately, they said all Bullet Club members. I think the forty five second thing is only with Tamatonga. Well, that's so, misleading if they're saying all Bullet Club members. 
Uh, Everyone's no, going to expect Yujiro. No, no, no. The autographs are, are from all the members. Oh. Tickets to this thing. How much are they? Well, it looks like if you're under 21, <laughs> there are kids' tickets. <laughs> <laughs> if you're under 21, they're $40 with a $650 fee. And then uh, the other, the general admission t- tickets are about sixty-five to seventy, with Damn. a six-fifty fee. VIP tickets are one hundred fifty. Unreal! Wow, it's just crazy. But hey, that's well, good for them. That's that's the economy of WrestleMania weekend for mm-hmm. you. So Taguchi was in. He did his Nakamura spots with uh, Ishimori in there. Jado tried to attack him with a kendo stick from the floor, uh, but was stopped. Uh, Makabe came in. He had the match won, but Ishimori pulled the referee to the floor. And then uh, this is when Jado was stopped with a low blow by Yano. And Makabe went for the King Kong knee drop. But this is when Yujiro and Chase Owens ran down, knocked Makabe off of the top. And then Owens hit him with the package pile driver. And Tangaloa hit ape shit onto Makabe, getting the pinfall. So the only champions to retain their titles this weekend, the Gorillas of Destiny and Taiji Ishimori at 11 minutes 34 seconds. That's right. Yeah. This made me so happy for those two. Yujiro and Chase. Back with the Bullet Club. They don't have to get new gear. Uh, I, I'm sure that would have cost them a, a pretty penny. So, uh, Did they officially leave the Bullet Club? Like, I was just trying to figure out, piece this story together in my mind. Up. I know they, I know they did the whole attack and everything, but I didn't even really, uh, I, I don't know. Well, I, I just think this has been a kind of a messy story. It really has been. And I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, what's contractually what's been happening with with the elite uh, kind of putting an abrupt end to that storyline. But, uh, yeah, they, they were beaten up in San Francisco. They were ousted from the group and I, I guess just kind of languishing, you know, in, in no man's land for for quite a while. But, um, you know, See, WWE has taught me that an attack doesn't mean ties are severed mm-hmm, because right. you can just, you know. Get, regain your look, pool, and ne- next week we're we're fine. They're looking at their uh, you know royalties from those T-shirt sales and <laughs> thinking that yeah, this is not working out. So um, I I thought the match itself didn't do a whole lot for me, you know, especially compared to the six men we just saw. This match felt like it was just there. I will say, however, I think Tamatonga's good guy stuff played a lot better here tonight in Korokuin than it did at Tokyo Dome. For whatever reason, I feel like, you know, in a championship match in the Tokyo Dome, it feels like it's a much more prestigious environment where angles like this, to me, don't play play off as well. But tonight, I thought it worked. Yeah. Um, uh, not too much I took away from this match. I hate these titles, but, um, yeah, at least I guess it's, you know, the Bullet Club is going to be a prominent group in 2019, the challenge is going to be it's going to be perceived by many whether fair or unfair as almost like the 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 nwob team that so many of the major players are gone and this is a reduced version of what was a a bigger group if we simply look at it as you know a a way to bolster jay white as a top star i think it's effective in that sense you know it's it's made jay white seem like a much bigger deal than without uh kind of like a bunch of guys flanking him um, but the rest of the group, yeah, I mean, Taiji Ishimori, I think, is fantastic. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see if the other members can really kind of craft out an, an identity for themselves. I would say creatively, I think this group would be better positioned with a whole new name and moniker. But commercially, oh, yeah. I, I, I can't fathom New Japan abandoning the Bullet Club uh, marketing. No, 
Tetsuya Naito, Evil, Sonata, Bushi, and Shingo Takagi took on Suzuki Gun members Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., Taichi, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and El Desperado. And they explained how Suzuki was embarrassed being on the pre-show while Kanemaru and Desperado had just lost their titles. Taichi wasn't even booked at Wrestle Kingdom. And Zack Sabre Jr. was like, eh, fuck you. I'm doing great. He had a great Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Match started with Taichi breaking a chair over Naito's head. And more impressive than the spot was the reaction from the announcers, who were horrified. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how much of any of this they, they were privy to, because... Uh, Probably did, nothing. Yeah, they mentioned at the beginning of the show that they were just handed the rundown as the show began. So uh, it seemed like a very genuine reaction from Kevin Kelly, and it certainly added to the to the atmosphere of the stunt. I I think I always personally prefer, like chair shots in japan versus like steel chairs in america i never really understand why there is a need for actual steel chairs when you could get away with the same reaction typically with plastic chairs or in this case like that that aluminum with the foam padding you know Mm -hmm. it's it you can hit people over the head and it's not nearly as dangerous as hitting somebody with an actual giant piece of steel so um my preferences are American tables and Japanese chairs. Oh, wow. Okay. You're going to open up your own wrestling Ikea, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, the beginning brawl, I thought was great. It was really chaotic, which New Japan is, is very good at, at conveying at times. And we got a rare glimpse into the hallway where Suzuki and Sonata fought, and Suzuki was choking him with a guardrail. Mm-hmm. This visual was great. Was, it, was, uh, was that where uh, Casey was? Uh, he was he was uh, he was near the hallway, more closer to to the entranceway, but just standing up against the wall. I don't know if he had a seat or not. Oh. So um, uh, Taichi is attacking Naito's injured neck, and there was a big focus on Taichi here. Um, with this being Suzuki Gun's revenge, uh, Suzuki faked out Sonata several times. Sonata and his beard—he is morphing into Stephen Avery before our eyes. Uh, I have to, I, it's been a while. I didn't see that second season, so. Well, it's the old photos of Stephen Avery where he has that that ugly beard. Uh, and that's what Sonata, I hate this beard from Sonata. Whoever shaves this off of him will be the biggest baby face on earth. Uh, Naito is still reeling from the opening attack as he's tagged in with Taichi. And Taichi grabs the Intercontinental title behind the back of the referee who Taka is distracting, nails Naito with it. And Taichi hits him with Black Mephisto and pins Naito. And this was the most clear-cut championship program set up as Taichi will challenge Tetsuya Naito. This one went 14 minutes, 46 seconds. Uh, I, I thought the strongest part was the, the chaos at the beginning of the match. And yeah, there are, the big focus was Taichi here. Another yeah. big opportunity for him. No, you definitely classify this one as, a, as an upset coming out of this show. Uh, I think, you know... Taichi versus Naito again. We saw it at last year's anniversary show, and and actually they did it at the uh, Taichi Taka Takamania show that they independently produced as well. Um, I thought it was like I have to go back and rewatch it, but I thought it was like a decent match at that time around. This time you have a title involved. I think it's like a just a you know again more of a uh, I want to say a bit of a placeholder uh, feud for Naito coming out of uh, Wrestle Kingdom. And why not? I think Taichi is good in scenarios like this. To me, this was like a fun 10-man tag with great selling from Naito from the get-go that to, uh, helped to really kind of 
elevate this guy immediately from not being on the card to being a legitimate contender for that belt. I, I prefer this direction. Um, then for whatever reason, Naito and Minoru Suzuki, I just don't get into their matches. I just mm-hmm. think that they're opposites that when they come together, actually, just... I, I think they're the same. Like character wise, I think they're very similar, but in ring there, there's certainly a bit of a weird clash. It's just they they don't blend together in their matches, and I'm just I've been so disappointed with their big singles matches. So I'm fine with going with a uh, the Tai Chi direction. You just did Zack Saber Jr. and Naito, so you weren't going to go there. Um, so yeah, I, I, Naito and Tai Chi had a very good match in 2018. So I'm optimistic for that one, which you would peg as one of the main events for one of the new beginning cards in February. The main event, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, and Yoshihashi versus Jay White, Bad Luck Fale, and Ghetto. And Yoshihashi got a very big reaction came uh, coming out. New tights, new haircut, um, still had his shoulder taped up, which I guess is his, uh, his Bob Orton Jr. tribute, or his shoulder is never healing. Um, still has the stick. He still has the stick, which I got roasted for calling this a Gandalf stick. Did you know this is a tribute to Goku? Yeah, yeah, the Monkey King. Oh, I'm so glad that this gap of knowledge has been... Um, it's it's not so much built. a dra- Dragon Ball reference as it is to um, uh, like this kind of ancient Chinese legend, which Dragon Ball is actually based on. Oh, okay. Uh, his pants, no longer a loose explosion to fear. He eliminated um, th- that from his ass. Oh, right. Um, also you could see if you were watching his eye, like you could see this guy really messed himself up with that running spot. You mean his eye now? You could see like the effects of it. Like it was still like almost, um, like his eye still looked kind of like off. If you looked above, like his eyebrow had been shaved and. Oh, wow. I didn't know. I don't know. Okay. Like it, it seemed like the remnants of having some significant stitches, uh, in there. Right. Um, Anyway, if you're paying that, but quite the quite the reaction he got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they built up to his tag. Place goes nuts as he's brought in with Ghetto and uh, a lot of great tag stuff here among the baby faces. Okada and Tanahashi. They did this fun spot where Okada delivered a dragon screw leg whip to Fale, so Tanahashi gave him a thumbs up from the apron, and then Tanahashi did the same to Jay White, getting the thumbs up from Okada. And Jay White came in at the end for the closing sequence with Yoshihashi. And he tried for the Blade Runner. It was stopped by Okada. Then he tried one to Tanahashi, which got countered with the twist and shout. But then uh, Tanahashi, Okada, they went to the floor with Fale and Ghetto. And Yoshihashi was left in the ring. He hit this new maneuver, which is kind of like an emerald flosion into a side slam. And got a, a big near fall off of it. And then goes for Karma. It's blocked. White hits a suplex and the Blade Runner, pinning the returning Yoshihashi. As Jay White just ruins everyone's night, 15 minutes and 15 seconds. And Jay White was the major pushed commodity on this show. Um, because after the match, he stares down Tanahashi while uh, running him down on the microphone, says he wants the belt. He's better than Tanahashi. He calls him an old man that can barely walk. And Tanahashi returned to the ring to face him and got jumped by Ghetto. Those three are beating him down. Okada runs in to the, for the save, but get hit, gets hit with a grenade by Fale. And then White hits Tanahashi with the Blade Runner, holds up the title, calling it his era to close the show. Hmm. I thought the match was, was decent. You know, to me, it, it's uh, 
was just kind of there to further further um cement Jay White's domination of this uh, main event scene at least tonight. So um how appropriate that Yoshihashi on his return continues to be, to you know take the pinfall like being the underdog really seems to be his thing and this audience connects with it to a certain extent. Um I thought White's promo on Tanahashi sounded really good. He he has a real great presence about him right now. Yeah, I I think Jay White is uh, poised for an enormous year. Um, I would say overall the show this, you know, the big angle on the show was, you know, I guess the the Bullet Club stuff, and then just uh, cementing that it looks like Tanahashi and Jay White. I was thinking that they'd save it for a bigger show down the road, but that's probably what they're doing in Osaka next month. I would guess. I have to think so too. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe Okada Fale. Oh, man, I guess so. I guess so. Did they tease that that much here, though? I mean, they did the grenade spot, and there there didn't seem to be any other direction for Okada. Yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not 100 percent sure about that one. Um, just because like uh, I guess they could do whatever they want. They but... could do a tag with Ghetto involved. Yeah, yeah. Maybe um, Okada and Yoshihashi versus Ghetto and Fale. That's that's, that's know, what I that, would. That's do. just it's just a tag. It's nothing big. Yeah. Um, doesn't seem anything of significant importance for Okada in the short term. Kind of tough for me to tell, like o- Okada's direction co- directly coming out of this. So I'm sure we'll we'll find out. But in terms of surprises, I I don't really think the show really had any. You know, the biggest thing, of course, was like you mentioned, who, who it was who was not on the show. I think that was the big talking point after it was no elite members, no Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. and I, I think that it was. And I, I don't think it was a coincidence that you had Cody and the Young Bucks tweeting out during the show uh, what they were up to. Um, that yeah. it, that Co- did not involve being at Core Q and Hall. Cody had a banana split. And um, the uh, the Bucks went to, I guess it was uh, Disney World or somewhere in Japan. Wow, interesting. Uh, you know, but we did get a, a number of new challengers. I thought Taichi versus Naito, um, that was built up pretty well. Tanahashi and Jay White, of course. And perhaps uh, Yuji Nagata versus Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, nothing mentioned involving Kenny Omega. So, uh, yeah, the reports were that the, there was supposed to be a meeting with the All Elite Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and New Japan people on on Saturday. And I don't know how that is all going to play itself out and how that can logistically work, specifically with All Elite Wrestling and Ring of Honor. I don't know how those two sides work together. You know, but, you know, we, we know that at least, like, for somebody like a Kenny Omega, he is wanted probably by both of those companies. Uh, and if you're all elite, trying to get yourself off the ground, I think you're still very much in a position where you need the help of, of both either one or, 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 you know, at the very least, a New Japan in helping you, you get started. So uh, at the end of it all, I, I don't necessarily see Kenny not being a part of New Japan, but we shall see. Could you see Okada wanting to do dates with All Elite. He is very tight with the Young Bucks, worked all in. I, I could certainly see him being someone, not leaving, um, but someone that would want to be able to have that that ability. That I, I think he would have a loyalty to the Bucks to, to work with them as opposed to even Ring of Honor. Like It's such a tricky political mm-hmm. deal, what the, all of this is, and the different uh, allegiances you could see uh, coming out of this uh, this. The split. Yeah. I'm sure, like, you know, creatively, I, I'm sure he would want to be a part of something, you know, as interesting as what the Bucks are doing. Uh, I, I don't see many wrestlers not wanting to kind of be a part of it. But 
what will he be allowed to do? You know, if New Japan says no, you can only work for ROH, then that that's just it. That's all he'll be able to do. Yeah, that's just, you know, it, it's difficult. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of reasons for that everyone wants to have access to everybody, but I just see like all elite wrestling and ring of honor. They are, they are both focused on the exact same objectives in the U S and it's, it's, I, I just don't know how you, you make that one work. Um, it just seems very, very difficult on paper to, to make sense of that one. I can see uh, new Japan trying to work with both of them and you're kind of, you know, it's it's very difficult. New Japan's trying to do their own thing in the U.S. as well. So it becomes very tricky. And where does and WWE fit into all of this? That's yeah. a major player in all of this is the the money that they are willing to, to throw out to people. Um, and if, if Kenny Omega were to decide I'm going there, that changes everything. And that's yeah. certainly not something you can discount. I think this press conference on Tuesday will be really interesting. I believe they're live streaming it. Um Maybe at the end of that, we'll we'll get a number of answers. Yes. So, and we will have a show that night and certainly be focusing a lot on whatever happens uh, at that press conference in Jacksonville on Tuesday. But for those of you uh, listening, first of all, I want to thank uh, hey, all of our... Second, new- one second, we actually have some feedback. Oh, that's right. That's right. We have feedback. Uh, let's, let's go to that first before we plug stuff. Why don't you start things off? Well, first, I, I need to put my vote for this show. Um, I give the show maybe... But uh, mm. I give it a seven, you know, I'm going six and mainly for that six man tag. Yeah, uh, this was kind of a, it was just a under, underwhelming show. To me, it just felt like a pretty typical Corcuan show with a little bit of extra surprise, but that's it. The six. audience has voted. Do you have the reveal for us? 6.56 right in between us, John. Wow. All right. Let's go here. Chris from Queensland, Australia. A good New Year Dash event, when in comparison to more recent years, there were no socking returns or debuts as a Western fan. Sorry, Yoshihashi. So Chase and Yujiro are rejoining Bullet Club, but ruined the surprise by wearing the Bullet Club gear during their opening tag match before the never six-man run-in. I mean, However, they, they kind of always just dress in those same colors, though. But yeah, I guess today it was a bit more blatant. However, Angry Suzuki Gun is the best Suzuki Gun. Lastly, during Will Ospreay's post-match interview after Wrestle Kingdom, he stated, I want to compete against the best heavyweights in the world, and I don't just mean in New Japan, I mean around the world. Ring of Honor, CMLL, MCW, Revolution Pro Wrestling, anyone. As someone who's seen the amount of time Will Ospreay has spent on the Aussie and Kiwi scenes over the past two years, helping the young talent make me not only happy for him, but excited for what possible matches we could see, maybe Robbie Eagles versus Will Ospreay 3. All right, we go to, finally, Omri in Tokyo, who says, First, I would like to apologize about the typo from yesterday. I meant to say that even 20 minutes after the show, my heart was still racing. Oh, no, I prefer his hat was still teaching. What was it? Teaching. (laughs) That's way better. Now, on to the topic at hand. This was a completely fine show. Nothing bad in terms of wrestling, but nothing shocking in any way, which is something we've come to expect from the Dash shows. I'm happy for Chase and Yudro that they return home to the BC side. I never felt they really belong with the Elite crew. Taichi going after Naito and Zack and Suzuki going after t- the tag belts is refreshing. I'm looking forward to both matches. I don't understand why they decided to put White and Tanahashi together so early. Who do you beat in this situation? 
but Ngato I trust as he has yet to underdeliver. P.S. Yoshihashi getting pinned in the match to celebrate his return is the most Yoshihashi thing ever. Did you uh, notice any indication of Zack and Suzuki teaming up against uh, uh, Sonata and Evil? Uh, yeah, they they kind of um, teased that a bit. I could certainly see that being a direction for because yeah, Evil actually. and Sonata don't have anyone lined up. That makes a lot of sense to go mm-hmm. with. Um, yeah, certainly the priority was Jay White and. There was no way Tanahashi or Okada were being pinned in this throwaway six-man tag. The reason that Jay White's win over Okada was so important and effective is because they they protect those guys to such a degree that they don't just take falls in in random tag matches. So and yeah. you know Jay White is certainly the priority over Yoshihashi. So that's well, why he took the fall. I think there's an argument to say that Yoshihashi taking the pin like makes him more likable. Um, potentially, yeah. We'll see what kind of uh, program he has um, beyond this show. But yeah, do you do you like the idea of going to Tanahashi and Jay White so quickly? Hmm. Um. Tanahashi and um. I I mean I I think it's it feels a little early, doesn't it? But uh, it doesn't mean that you know they won't have a series in them. Uh, I, 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 I don't think I would have done it so soon. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up the show. Thank you to uh, those of you tuning in very early. I also want to thank all the, uh, the new patrons, uh, that have jumped on board over the last couple of days. Welcome on board. Uh, we will have another bonus show. If you are a member of the post wrestling cafe, because on Sunday, way and I will be releasing our latest edition of rewind away chatting ECW's Massacre on 34th Street from December of 2000, headlined by Steve Carino, Jerry Lynn, and Justin Credible for the ECW title and a promo for the ages. From Spike Dudley? From Spike Dudley. Yeah. A classic. Yeah. He uh, got prepared for his match with Rhino. Parental advisory, uh, explicit (laughs) content for this edition of Rewind Away. And then on Sunday night, I'll be back with Nate Milton. We'll have a full rundown of the Impact Wrestling Homecoming pay-per-view and also discussing the latest involving Impact as they go to a new television home in the U.S. and what the future holds uh, for that group. And then Wei Ting will be back with me Monday night. We've got Rewind to Raw as well as Rewind to SmackDown on Tuesday night. We are back to our regular schedule, Way. Oh, it, it's it's nice. Although I, I've heard from some people who say like they've kind of enjoyed our condensed Raw and SmackDown reviews. Uh, well... If if we uh, want to skip raw, we can. Uh, <laughs> that that might be something people are going to want us to take up several no, times. No, I actually, year. I actually, I'll tell you, I prefer watching and doing those shows like the night of, just because I ended up like in these past two weeks, kind of bundling everything at, at once, and it's really difficult to watch raw and SmackDown on the same day. So I don't mind spreading that stuff out at all. Also coming out this week. Uh, days to be determined, but we will have a year in review special for our MMA fans out there. It's going to be a panel consisting of myself, Jordan Breen, Mike Bond from MMA Junkie, and Cody Saftik from the Fight Network, who will be joining me. We're going to go through all the major categories, uh, recapping 2018, and then later in the week, it is the annual prediction show as Ariel Hawani, now of ESPN, will be joining me on the show. 
So that is all to come this week on Post Wrestling. So you can check all of that out, all the latest news at postwrestling.com. Anything to add, Way, before we sign off? Nope. Goodbye.